that same actor. Yes, 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 yes. I heard about that. The crossover. Yeah, yeah. that the three, the three of them from the school were uh from from stonewall prep were in a band that yeah. competed against yeah yeah but were sort of secretly the same characters yeah yeah but they yeah. all died in oh sorry spoiler alert it's okay go for it sabrina's done go for it pals and gals and welcome to another episode of XOXO Riverdale. I'm Louie Perlman. Uh, Kate is actually in the middle of a move out to uh, be right next to me in Brooklyn basically from DC. So let's wish her the best of luck in that. But for this week we have a very special guest joining us. Uh, she is a incredible entertainment world development person uh, who's out of LA, who's a big fan of the show. Welcome, Bethany Bowles. Very exciting to be here. This is, I'm so, I'm so very, very happy. I mean, I also have a, a seven month old baby. So like everything is exciting that isn't taking care of her. Like no offense to her. She's great, but this is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, but here you are, you know, you put your baby to bed and you watch this raunchy teen drama <laughs> with your husband and now we get to talk about it. Yeah, I'm I'm pleased as punch. <laughs> so just for context, Bethany and I are old summer camp friends. We've known each other for uh, 21 years. Uh, old, old, wonderful friends. And uh, Bethany is just an incredibly, you know, as I said, talented uh, development person, but she's also a super talented uh, um, ukulele player, singer, uh, performer. Uh, Bethany really has had her fingers in a lot of pies when it comes to the world of entertainment. So she's gonna have some really interesting takes on the episode we're covering today. <laughs> which is fire in the sky where we're going to figure out if a group of teenage boys are going to be good at fighting fires. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. T TBD. Yeah. TBD. Yeah, exactly. But first Bethany, you've been a fan of the show pretty much since it started. What drew you to watch Riverdale in the first place and why do you stick with it? Um, well, I think the the only reason I think I started watching Riverdale was because of you, Louie. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, how dare you? I've really gotten myself into a very deep hole at this point. Um, yeah, no, I, I was, I mean, I, I like comics, but I was never really entrenched in the Archie's world too much the Archie comics world but you know like you said we've known each other for a bazillion years and I know how passionate you are about uh, all things Archie and so um I started watching Riverdale so that your podcast would make sense to me um <laughs> because I was like oh my dear friend Louie has a podcast I want to listen to it and then I 
I actually had, I, I think it took me three times of watching the pilot before I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. I will, I, I will get into this and, you know, 500 seasons. It took later. you three times to watch yeah. the pilot and be like, okay, I'm going to watch this show. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, what are these, can these, can anybody on the show act? Like, what is this dialogue? This is absolutely absurd. But then I was like, oh, it's a stylistic choice. I, I see. I, I, it, I just kind of had to like take everything for at face value and say, okay, well, this is the world that they've set up. I'm going to, I'm going to see where this goes. And then uh, through the, the uh, dodgier seasons, it, it was purely for, for the fact that I wanted to keep listening to XOXO Riverdale. <laughs> and now you're on XOXO Riverdale. And now I'm here. And you've taken six pages of notes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is very large font uh, so that I could read it easily yes because we're now very we're old. Of, of an age yes. <laughs> <laughs> well uh i'm really excited uh you know this is just in case you know you're tuning in for the first time this is your favorite riverdale podcast that is hosted by two grown-ass adults uh, you know, as opposed to the tweens that this show is made for. <laughs> However, we are learning more and more through uh, marketing and uh, ratings that this show is really watched mostly by 50 plus people, which is just how network television works these days. And and we are not 50 plus, so we're, we're still... certainly not. But I am closer to 50 at this point than I am to 15. So well, yeah, I suppose know. I am too. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> So just a little bit of Riverdale news this week that I thought it would be fun to talk about. First and foremost is, I mentioned this last week, but you know, I just really want us to talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's going on, the show's going on a three month hiatus from April 7th to July 7th. Oh no, what are we gonna do? Well, you know, we'll go outside. It'll be like when Itchy and Scratchy was canceled on The Simpsons. <laughs> We'll go outside and like play with butterflies and like we'll see each other socially distanced and masked, of course, but we'll do it, you know? Yeah. Until they bring Poochie to Riverdale. Yes. Well, I feel like there have been multiple Poochie moments on this show that I feel like we've even referenced Poochie in the past on the podcast <laughs> because Kate's a big, a big Simpsons person. So yeah, big, big, big hiatus, which was apparently always planned. Uh, because they feel that the show has enough of a fandom that they could do it and get away with it and uh, have some cool mid-season replacements for the show, including the reboot of Kung Fu. Get excited. Kung Fu is back. Boy. Anyway. <laughs> so there's that. That's one thing. Then uh, also, and this is something that I think is going to be a little more interesting for us to talk about, so a few months ago, Lily Reinhardt came out of the closet as a very proud bisexual, which is totally awesome. And this week in particular, she has been really vocal about her bisexuality on Twitter, saying once again, I'm bisexual and I'm very proud of that. And also talking about how uh, female bisexuality is often not particularly palatable to mm. mainstream people, mm -hmm. mainly because... Uh, men can't imagine the women that they date uh, would be able to have relationships outside of them that don't involve a man. 
<laughs> that's 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 what Lily Reinhardt claimed uh, in her tweets this week. And you know, other than the fact that, like, obviously, uh, we're proud of her and think this is super cool. Um, I'm just wondering, like, uh, do you think, you know, as a young star like that, like, what position is she putting herself in? Do you think by by being so vocal and and sort of being so engaging about this subject, you know? <sighs> I think it's great because like, you know, I mean, we have, we have, we now have this knowledge that a lot of older people watch the show, but I still think there is probably a very strong young person fan base. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, even thinking back to when we were kids, like this really just wasn't something that even a lot of our peers were talking about, let alone people we looked up to in, in TV and film and, and other media and having a presence on social media. I think it gives kids um, and young adults just a, a, having, having somebody who is vocal about it just kind of normalizes it in a way that I think is very freeing for um, people of that age. And then for maybe some of the older fans of the show, maybe it's, maybe it's a um, a bit of a teaching moment for them. You know, I think, I think we're seeing this a lot um, with a lot of the um, gender identity stuff that, that we hear more and more about now. And lo and behold, we're finding a lot more kids are like, oh, wow, there's language to describe what it is that I feel and how I identify. And there are a lot of adults in the queer community who are like, gosh, if I had had this when I was a young person, it might have helped me be more comfortable in my identity um, at that time. I agree. I think I think there's a, a real power. Certainly, you know, Archie Comics over the last 10 years or so has been at the forefront of being inclusive when it comes to characters of different ethnicities and also characters of different sexual orientations. They were really ahead of the curve in the comics industry when it came to those portrayals. But having the actor that is playing Betty, who traditionally is such a squeaky clean character, be so mm -hmm. vocal about this, I think is really exciting because I think yeah. it sort of destigmatizes it and takes the shame away. Oh, agreed 100%. I think, I think it's, it's, it's all, all positive. Yeah, sort of out of everybody's, it's interesting at this point in the development of the show, I do like all the actors. I enjoy interviews with them. I enjoy their social media presences. But I think out of all of them at this point, just based on what they've done with their fame, uh, I, Lily Reinhardt's kind of my fave out mm. of everybody. Yeah, Yeah, she's really cool. Like she definitely strikes me as one of the more I don't know, for lack of a better word, like grounded, yes. very like very real kind of. My dad would say salt of the earth kind of people. Yes, um, I, I and I do like that. I agree. I I agree one hundred percent. Absolutely, uh, she does. She seems to have a good head on her shoulders, and uh, I can't wait for whoever she's going to date next. Now that she's not with Cole Sprouse <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Speaking of dating next only other little piece of news that we're not going to harp on because we don't really care about the personal lives of these cast members <laughs> but it is 
a very strong rumor that Madeline Patch is dating Olympic fencer Miles Chamley Watson. And we wish those two crazy kids the best of luck. <laughs> Yeah, well, so so he's a fencer and she's an archer, so they can have all kinds of like old timey battle practice. Yeah, they're basically like two two like or like half of like a D and D cohort. Yeah, it's like <laughs> or like Robin Hood and the Three Musketeers. Yeah, totally. Like it's yeah, so they can just like go hang out at the Renaissance Fair when it's safe to do that again. <laughs> I would actually pay good money to see that happen absolutely see them in a renaissance fair show mm -hmm. and and uh you know madeline petch this week was proven to be just such a wonderful dancer so i'd love to see her do a live show and you know that's a good segue into talking about the episode. But before we do, just want to say, if you like what you're hearing and you want to support us, best thing you can do is subscribe to our podcast on a podcatcher of your choice. You can listen to it every week. Uh, you can also, you know, follow us on all social media of your choice. Also, shout out to regular listener Alex, who is one of Kate's rowing kids, who were uh, especially requested a shout out. Alex, we love you. Thank you for sticking with the podcast, especially what's been a very, uh, I'd say, uh, intellectually challenging season of the show. <laughs> I'm being a jerk. That's one word for it, I guess. <laughs> I feel you're being generous by saying that I'm correct about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's the, it's the, the diplomatic uh, creative executive in me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So here we are. Here we go with this episode, Fire in the Sky, uh, uh, yeah. named after a 1995 movie that is supposedly based on true events that is about an alien abduction. So Yeah, and I was talking to my husband, Eric, about this. He's seen the movie, and he said it's just, like, horribly disturbing. Oh, like, really? Yeah, he said that it's like a really intense body horror kind of thing. And I was just like, okay, I'll skip. Because at first I was like, well, maybe I should watch it just to see if there's anything relevant. So uh, he started describing it. I was like, nope, no, thank you. So we watched The Mothman Prophecies instead, which was also not a good movie. But anyway, I digress. Well, fill us in uh, about The Mothman Prophecies. What's the Riverdale connection with the term Mothman? Because I haven't done any research on that yet. So I appreciate well, you watched it. Yeah, I feel like it remains to be seen, but the plot of the Mothman, which is also supposedly based on true events, is um, these entities called the Mothmen will show up in towns um, that are about to be um, that are about to fall to some kind of tragedy, mm -hmm. and they will like start sending these messages to people in the town to warn them of the tragedies that are about to come. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's about this, this town in West Virginia and Richard Gere, like finds himself there. He's a reporter for the Washington Post and he finds himself in this town and, uh, all these strange things start happening and it's, it's unclear, you know, is the Mothman real? What is, what, what does the Mothman want? And, um, so, you know, but yeah, I guess it's the alien connection, Sure, but. I don't know and if there's going to be maybe some the Mothman of... will somehow appear at moments that are like prophetic for the characters mm -hmm. in the show. We'll yeah, see. Maybe. maybe maybe there's a connection to when they're appearing and to who they're appearing to that we're not able to figure out yet because it's just like where we're at in the season, you know? Yeah. It was not my favorite movie though. Yeah. I gotta say. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> 
Speaking of uh, favorites, uh, how do you feel about this episode overall? It's uh, my favorite. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I thought it was bananas. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely bonkers. Well, actually, it was inconsistent. Like it, it vacillated wildly between bonkers, crazy. Like this is why I still watch Riverdale. To just like kind of really boring. Yep. I agree. I think that this one overall, unfortunately, was a clunker. <laughs> and uh, I'm thrilled that you're on so we can dissect it together. But there have been some rather good episodes this season. And this yep. is not one of not them. One of them. <laughs> this was a different thing. <laughs> yep. So the show, the episode starts with them being able to put out the fire from the last episode that looked hugely dramatic. With two fire extinguishers. With two fire extinguishers that were at least eight years old because oh, they've yeah, been put point. there by Fred Andrews, yeah. you know, Fred Andrews, who, you know, unfortunately has long since departed this mortal coil in the timeline of the show. Uh, and then Archie's like, we really need to have a, you know, a, a fire, a fire. I'm going to call them a fire brigade, but it's, it's not England. We need a fire department. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, we'll get, we'll get into that. I actually have feelings about, well, we'll get into it. Sure. Um, but I think fire brigade is maybe an apt, more apt term than you think. <laughs> and then immediately, I don't know if you took note of this, Jughead was like, Oh, geez, I know where this is going. Yeah, I well, I did write that Jughead is once again dressed like Johnny Depp from Secret Window. Definitely, yes. He's got yes. That, that bathrobe, the Johnny Depp bathrobe. Yes, and, and then he says, oh, geez, I know where this is going. And then, you know, he says, uh, you know, Archie says, I was talking to Ronnie, and Jughead goes, Ronnie. Like, oh, you're using her pet name again. And Jughead is like over Archie's plot line. Like he's like <laughs> done with him. Like he he responds with sarcasm for this entire interchange. And, and can you blame him really? No, but I kind of love it. I love it for Jughead. I love this for our Juggy. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah, that but... he's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like, whatever. <laughs> um he does refer to it though as a suburban inferno which i think would make a great band name yes uh world suburban inferno friendship society yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> then uh they figure out pretty quickly next i have we're doing with the we're dealing with the body that was found in the swamp Oh wait! Oh, sorry. Before we move on, I had just one more thing that I noticed about Please. that scene. When, yeah, yeah. When Keep Archie me in check. This is their... what Kate always does. Yes, go for it. <laughs> no, just when they're looking at the photo of the firefighters with with uh, Archie's grand grandpa Artie, um, Artie Andrews. He it looks like the one who he points out as being his grandfather, it looks like that's just Archie in the photo. I don't know. It was kind of hard to see, but I was like, is this some kind of like weird Zelig situation? I, or <laughs> like, are the genes in the Andrews family that strong? Cause like, he didn't look that much like his dad. I don't. Yeah. But I swear yeah. it was him. I well, swear. Well, well, they've very often used 
his grandfather as a bit of a generational proxy for mm. for the character and how the character is traditionally portrayed you know um and i uh, I don't, I don't necessarily want to give this away because I still think it's a good idea on the podcast, but this does copyright it. I pitched when I wrote for Yarn a few years ago, those Archie stories. Mm -hmm. uh, I pitched a story where uh, there was something eerie going on in Riverdale and then all the Riverdale kids um, <laughs> figured out that there was a lab at the edge of town and that they had been cloning versions of Archie, Betty, Veronica, and uh, Jughead oh, no. since the 40s. <laughs> oh, dear. And that every generation there, the, the characters are reborn. And the, the current iterations of the clones had to figure out what the mystery was, why this was happening. Anyway, <laughs> uh, oh, I no. feel like this is in connection to what you're saying about the dad yeah. maybe just being him. Anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like it's, and our names are almost the same. I don't know. Something, <laughs> something's amiss here. So anyway, moving on to, to Betty, Kevin and Alice visiting Dr. Curdle Jr. Who, by the way, I'm pretty sure I'm convinced that his first name is, is Curtis. So that he's Curtis Curdle. I, I would hope that that's the case. <laughs> That's, that's, that's I mean, just my conjecture. We stand a, a Dr. Curdle Jr. appearance on this show. We're always excited to see him. He's such a treat. So weird. He's so strange. Wonderfully, but lovely and strange. And oh, yeah, surreal, no, I, I love him. There's a bit of a Lynchian feel to, to Dr. Curdle oh, Jr. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. so that isn't Polly, thank goodness. I, mm -hmm. I, I believe Polly's still alive. I don't think they're just going to go all this plot through all this plot and just kill her off personally. No, I think I think the trash bag killer has her and she's in a hole. Ah, that is a good yes. That's very, very, very possible. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. because this whole this whole trash bag killer thing uh, really feels like it's mirroring Buffalo Bill from yes. uh, Silence of the Limbs, which which you discussed before. But uh yeah, I think I think that this killer is is keeping keeping young women in in a hole for some nefarious purposes. Yes, I think you are totally right. He's keeping young women in a hole. Very, very frightening. Uh, <laughs> and also, this is also a prediction that whatever's going on with what we are, who we are calling skeleton trucker <laughs> is the same as uh, trash bag killer. Or uh, skeleton trucker is delivering the bodies to the trash bag killer. Maybe oh right. my God. Skeleton trucker and trash bag killer working together. A team of scary people. Yeah. Oh, a little scary. Oh, scream style. Yeah. Two killers instead of yeah. one. Oh, well, I think, so yeah, it is scary. Well, my, my prediction is that Chad, Chad, Chadwick, what's his name? Chad. The awful. Yeah. Chadwick, think... Chadwick Bose, Chadwick Bozeman. <laughs> Oh no. I know no 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 no. Um, I mean it's just that the fact that they named no, this no, character no, no. Chadwick and they yeah, didn't Chadwick. rewrite it yeah. is just it always makes me Bad think of timing. Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, RIP who know, we Chad, love. Chadwick yeah. Gecko who yeah. yeah is very like American psycho. So very. I think yeah, so I think he's maybe maybe he's trash bag killer. And uh yeah, anyway. Yeah, I wish it was Brent Weston Willis, but they dispatched of him, but he's you know, dead with no, yeah, which is a shame because I I loved Brett. Oh, he I was loved great. Brett. I love. And him. he he made an appearance in this final season of Sabrina. 
That same actor. Yes, 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 yes. I heard about that. The crossover. Yeah. yeah. That the three, the three of them from the school were uh from from stonewall prep we're in a band that yeah. competed against yeah yeah but we're sort of secretly the same characters yeah yeah but they yeah. all died in oh sorry spoiler alert it's okay go for it sabrina's done go for oh, it oh i know yeah no no well they they were all brutally murdered in that episode by some uh demon zombie yeah punk, <laughs> punk rockers it was very strange oh well <laughs> anyway <laughs> Then we learn that Hiram Lodge, unsurprisingly, wants to open a golf club where the swamp is. Or no, 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 I no, no. a turnpike. It's a turnpike. That's right. right. That's right. Uh, then we learn that no one is picking up the garbage at Riverdale, so Riverdale's mm -hmm. all stinky. Mm -hmm. It's just terrible. Well, it, well really going interesting to choice of words that he said. It smells like a corpse. Mm -hmm. when there are oh so many corpses it would seem in Swedlow Swamp and beyond mm -hmm. absolutely yeah just rotting away also, and then oh do, go for sorry, it sorry do, do bogs actually have preservative qualities to them because Dr. Curdle Jr. was like the bog preserved her like could a bog preserve a body for three years Oof, know. you know that's a really good question that I don't want to give a yes or no answer on because I didn't do any research into it you know, I certainly. What? Why don't you know this, Louis? Why don't you know what sort of like if there's formaldehyde in Swedlow Swamp? You don't know this. Why? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have seen other pieces of like <laughs> pop culture media where the swamp, uh, you know, will preserve a body, but I don't know how true that is or how that's just sort of a pop up like a cultural motif, a story motif, you know. But apparently, maple syrup also has preservative qualities. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all that sugar wouldn't just literally rot. Rot everything. Off. Rot everything. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah, like when you yeah. put like you know like a false tooth in a can of soda, you know, like like for uh, for a science experiment when you're in elementary school, you know. Anyway. <laughs> right. So so turnpike over the swamp, and then cut to pops. Yes. And Archie is trying to get Chief Russell, who seems like a perfectly lovely man. Oh, yes. I'm not going to dis I'm not going to dis Chief Russell, but, you know, he's trying to get him out of retirement. Right. And this is just another in a famous slew of Archie tries to convince an older gentleman to do something he doesn't want to do at pop scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wrote Archie's hair looks really stupid. Oh. His hair this whole season just looks bad, but in this scene, it just was like, uh, it looks so bad. It is so bizarre to me that they didn't use, I mean, I've ranted about it on the show before, but just to touch on it, that they didn't use the time jump as a way to tone the fuck down on the hair dyeing for that poor guy. Yeah, because like, it is orange. You just give him a, a hint of red, you know, <laughs> dyed a much darker red at this point. You know, you your hair changes in seven years. It would have been fine. Right. They well, maybe and give yeah. let KJ grow out some stubble. He'd look so good. He's such a handsome guy. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe they were like, well, we, we know we are gonna have a firefighting uh theme this season. So we wanna have his hair the color of a fire engine. Definitely. Um, no, I, I'm certain that, that, that that's part of it. That. Yeah. I'm certain that's part of it, is that red is tied into the character's uh sort of motif 
100%. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, then we get to this whole vixen scene. Oh, my God. So Louis. I just want to say this is before even the title screen of the show. This is the cold open. This vixen yeah. scene is really where, for me, the episode was like, what is happening here? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's It was bonkers i mean okay okay so first of all i mean okay so for so first of all have we ever seen a dance-off on this series i don't recall one because the way cheryl talks about it is like oh yeah we do this all the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't remember there ever being a dance-off uh secondly hick cheryl out of the school <laughs> this is another example of adults just being allowed in that high school all willy-nilly. Right. Well, yeah. And I wrote, I wrote like, you know, if I were a teenager and some random person in their mid-20s busts into the gym, especially somebody who's been like holed up as a hermit for seven years. So there's no way these kids would know her because they were like eight when she went into hiding. Yes. I'd be like, who, what, what, what? Bethany, who? can you imagine this is comparable to you or me just waltzing into our old high schools, going to drama club and being like, what's up bitches? Drama club is mine. Ask me in your production of Dazzendals, please. Yeah, like this is insane. And there's just no, there's no real logic to this. They haven't really figured out a way to like they've shoehorned all the other cast members into being teacher roles at yep. the school, all with their other jobs. And then for some reason, they couldn't figure out like what Cheryl would teach or how to get her back in or have her have a logical sort of progression into being back out in society. And to yeah. me, that's really disappointing. I feel like she could have been the gym teacher. Of course she could have been the gym teacher. Or, or the art teacher or both. Yeah, I mean, she could have been the art teacher 100%. She could, yeah. And she could have taught archery on the side. Archery. Yeah. You know, yeah. But also, I, she, Cheryl, I am so disappointed with her behavior in this whole season, but especially in this scene. Like, I don't. I think she's being so unreasonable. Well, yeah, it's, it's just that the... This is a, a classic Riverdale example of the characters' motivations being so from left field that they're just completely unbelievable and completely out of character as well. Like, you know, I understand her being a recluse. I understand mm -hmm. her uh, being through trauma and not dealing with it properly and then becoming, you know, holed up in, in, in her mansion. That all makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is her then just <laughs> like, you know, kind of abandoning that plot line. Like we haven't seen, we didn't get to see the full redemption of Cheryl Blossom in the right way. And that's disappointing. Yeah. I, I was hoping they do better by her character. It is. Yeah. I'm also very disappointed in her for conflating the lyrics for Elton John's The Bitches Back with Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. Yes. Because she Good. says The Bitches Back in Town, which is just wrong. That's not that's not the word, Cheryl. Yeah, that's not a thing. Uh, another thing, just 
uh, just to touch on, so Tony is the head coach for the Vixens, but the Vixens have existed in the past with no coach. Right. It was uh, like Cheryl. A, yeah, because it's been Cheryl. And there was that plot line, remember last season with like that bad coach, the mean Apple, lady. Applegate or whatever her name yeah, was. Yeah, Mrs. I think her name was like Mrs. Apple Bass. Apple Yard. Apple Yard. That's right. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, who Cheryl murdered, if you remember correctly. Right. She uh, locked yeah. her into that room until she and became a skeleton. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that was maybe she threw her in a vat of maple syrup. Maybe she did. <laughs> also, in this scene, Cheryl calls the River Vixens buffoons. <laughs> Can you imagine being like a 25-year-old? Once again, I just want to say it, waltzing into a high school and calling them buffoons. That is horrible. And saying to the the gal who who she's doing the dance off against, she's what did she say? You're you seem particularly insufferable. Yes, this he is a child. A child who had only said, "I'll dance for you as your proxy." That's, yeah, that was all she said. I'll, I'll dance. I'll dance for you because you're pregnant and I'm a you're nice like, teenage girl. Like, it's so bizarre. It's so so bizarre. It's very and, off-putting for Cheryl's entire personality. Yeah, and also the fact that. I mean, I think Tony is being very accommodating throughout this whole thing. She's just like, okay, then you guys can have a dance off. That's fine. <laughs> it's really nuts. It's so weird. Uh, can we just talk about the dance off? I, I just. Oh, sure. Please be my guest. Get in. I know we haven't it. even talked about the dance off yet. Go for it. Okay. So first of all, it's very like, RuPaul's Drag Race lip sync for your life. That's like the totally the vibe I'm getting here. Sure, sure. Cheryl's facial expressions are so bizarre. And, but like, I think my bigger problem is that this dance, the, the dancing coming from both of them is very sexy. And being that one of them is a minor and one of them is like, you know, seven years out of high school, like, this is all very uncomfortable and weird. Um, so like, yeah. I, I just felt like the camera was doing a lot of fast cuts and non-full body shots, maybe mm. to disguise the fact that, and this is I'm this is not an insult towards Madeline Petch, the performer who I think is so good on the show, but maybe like dancing for a scene like this isn't really her strong suit. That's yeah, kind of the way it felt posing. to me. Hmm? It was a lot of a lot more posing than actual, but I do yeah. have to say the one move she did that I absolutely loved was the like full leg extension with the little boop, like the nose boop. You, you like that? I. That's good. Yeah, I was like, well, here we are. This is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. This is what Cheryl does this episode. <laughs> boop. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Ugh. Then, then we get into my friend Katie Keene, my best friend Katie Keene from New York. Uh, yep, because they so, have no fire engine and no volunteers and no one to train them. But luckily, you know, there is a scene with a lot of uh, chemistry between Archie and Veronica, where it's mm -hmm. seeming like Veronica has some good ideas how to help Archie, which is which is great. 
and she's gonna get Bernardo Bixby to come and help with the with the volunteer firefighters. So now let's just talk a little bit about good old Bernardo. He is a character from, I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear this, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> no, I'm lying. <laughs> he's a character from Law and Order SVU. No. <laughs> No, he's from which Katie is Keen. German for Katie Keen. Yeah, yeah, which mm -hmm. is German for Katie Keen, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so he's from Katie Keen. Uh, you know, and and he, this isn't the first Katie Keen guest appearance we've seen. It's cool that they're giving these actors work now that Katie Keen has been canceled. Uh, I read Bernardo's character uh, profile on the Archie Wikiverse, you know, website to learn a little bit about him. He was created for the show. He's not a comic book character. Mm -hmm. um, he was created to be a uh, romantic. He's a romantic pairing with Jorge, Jorge. Uh, who is uh, a drag performer uh, who's also known as Ginger Lopez, who's a famous Archie character. Um, and Jorge lives with Katie Keene. Uh, and there's some cool stuff that I like. Everything I read about Katie Keene, whenever one of these characters appears on the show, makes me want to binge Katie Keene and makes me think I actually might like it more than Riverdale. I it's just kind the of, first episode. And it was too hard for you. <laughs> I just, just didn't care, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, I mean, Louie. Maybe if you start a podcast about it, I'll have to watch it. Oh, don't. Don't start with me. So the thing is that like Katie hey, Keene, hiatus. Katie Keene, yeah, it could be for the hiatus. Katie Keene seems to be a, uh, a, a this kind of the show I want Riverdale to be, which is more of just like an adult, uh, an adult uh, soap opera drama that's like romantic, because apparently the the plot line with Jorge and Bern Bernardo, or sorry. Uh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Bernardo. The the plot line with Jorge and Bernardo is that they fall in love and Jorge's worried that Bernardo won't like him because he's not masculine enough, but Bernardo loves him because he thinks he's artistic and very masculine and talented and that's all awesome. And then there's this other boy that comes into their life and they have these big open discussions about becoming a thruple. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but what a wild thing to, and a, a great thing to have, yeah. very sex positive to have oh, on a show sure. like that. So, Absolutely. so I'm into it. So here's Bernardo now in Riverdale. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, then uh, we learn that Veronica is, I think this is in this scene. Uh, I wrote child labor. Yeah, yeah. So she, yeah. so she, she ends that scene by saying she has a brilliant idea to save the economy, and then and it's child her, slavery. Her econ class. Yep. Mm -hmm. I said, um, time to save the Riverdale economy with manual labor, manual labor from miners, mm -hmm. and pay them in school credit. So, which... <laughs> yeah, pay them in school credit, and then, you know, we can talk about this now. She ends up paying them in in river dollars, right? Um, you know, okay. So it, this is really interesting to me because when the whole concept was first introduced in the episode, I was like, "They're paying them in scripts." <laughs> 
Like this is like creepy. Like yeah, this gives me sort of uh, feelings of like, you know, for for our listeners that don't really know what what script is, script was uh, a you know mainly used in mining companies uh, turn of the century. Uh, you know, they'd hire miners and then pay them in uh, basically fake currency that could only be used at the company store. Uh, which means that, uh, you know, it, it led to no upward mobility for many of the people that were getting paid in this, like basically in this fake currency. And they had to spend all of their money buying stuff that uh, was already being offered by the, by the company. So it was sort of this, this really uh, terrible loop that a lot of workers were in. But it did inspire that classic uh, work song 16 tons that's correct so, yeah which um, is you know a song that's pretty brutal if you really listen to the lyrics of it you know so but it's what the kids stuff. like kids yeah, love that song kids really. love that song that's right yeah, this all is all very love. relevant to what i the owe kids my like. soul to the company stow yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah i know this whole plot line gave me all kinds of icky feelings but veronica's outfits in her class have all been very, very good. Fabulous. I loved her her high-waisted slacks in this episode or in this scene. Also, um, I just want to, just, just before we move on from like this plot line about this aspect of the River Dollars, then the show goes on to really deftly explain in a way that is rather progressive yeah. as to how this would work properly and how it has worked for some small towns in the past. Right. And Which that is, is really right. cool. It is really cool, except we know how much corruption there is in and around Riverdale and it's Veronica frickin' Lodge. So we know that her dad is going to meddle in this. So like, come on, Veronica, you should know better. You know that this is not going to, this is going to go horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame because it's once again, Veronica using her business acumen to try to help and then sort of getting bit in the ass, which happens a lot with the character and is always just like, I feel for the character. Because that's right. also Veronica being written at her best is when she's- Yeah. Well, I, I think she's a really good teacher. Like, I like her in this setting. I was going to say that later on in the episode, but we can talk about it now. She is so great with the students. It is so fun to see her in these scenes. I think this is super cool. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think she really kind of strikes that balance of being a cool teacher and being having that authority because she's so confident, which I think is real sexy. I think it's very great. I agree. Um, I I feel after this episode that my ranking, if I were a Riverdale High student, of which of my favorite of the core four would be my favorite teacher, I think it would be Veronica first right. uh, and then maybe Betty and then maybe Archie, yeah, yeah. and then Jughead at the bottom. Jughead at the bottom. Yeah, because right well, now Jughead's like, fuddy-duddy, I'm going to fucking bark at you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think he has the potential to, to become a cool teacher. I agree. I think he majorly has the potential to become a cool teacher. But so far, all we've seen him doing is be like, who's done the reading? Like, like Jughead, pull it together. Right. But to be fair, we've only seen him teach one class i think so far well so far we've seen we've veronica seen, teach a bunch of classes now we've seen veronica teach multiple classes the rest of them we've only seen teach one class i don't count army boy training as a class archie 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure ROTC was an after-school thing when I was in high school. Yeah, that would make sense for yeah ROTC to be an after-school thing. Yeah. Uh, so then we have Eric Jackson coming back. This... Oh wait, no. First, first Tabitha and Jughead meet with uh, meet at Pops. And oh my gosh, I I thought that that was after. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. So so Tabitha and Jughead are at, at Pops, and Jughead has found this article all about the Mothmen, and some mysterious occurrence happened 50 years ago. And hey, look who uh, had a line in this article. I wonder who that could be. We'll find out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, yes, it, we will figure it out later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So then Jax. Ugh, okay. So I think this Jackson guy is very charming and lovely. Mm -hmm. um, Eric Jackson. Yes. Eric Jackson. But my question is, why did they let him take his weird 1940s rifle <laughs> home with him? And like, did he, has he just been carrying that around with him from the army and then to the hospital <laughs> or did when they discharge you from the hospital did they say here's a gun no shit thank you <laughs> insane it's what are you doing why are you carrying this gun around is this just to remind us that you're from the army there's other ways to do it writers <laughs> and directors of riverdale this was so strange thank well, you and it's not, i agree and it's not just a gun it's like it, it is not a modern military weapon. It looks like a World War II. Well, and, and every representation we've seen so far of the military has felt very World War II, and I don't understand why. Well, I think that this is an attempt to create a timelessness for the show, which we've seen okay. before. However, this one is too, it's too anachronistic. This yeah. isn't the same as having a um old-timey radio in a scene or something like that or the fact that the cars look a little older or the bus that yes. he took to go before he saw his his pals and his girl yeah his um, pals and gals yeah, yeah. uh absolutely that i i agree with that um and i feel like i feel like um this sequence uh is just they're just digging themselves into this hole like no more of this aesthetic thank you so much you know uh all right <laughs> so then we learn that three is uh a pattern because there's another missing girl it's margaret harper who we're no, gonna it's, learn it's all not margaret harper because she didn't have braces that's right that there's yes that's right it's not margaret harper because she didn't have braces there's another missing girl three is a pattern and that's the beginning of the cold open and we talked about it for half an hour. Oh no. It's okay, it <laughs> happens. <laughs> because really that was also bananas, that's all so of it. So we'll get into it now. We'll get into you know all the other stuff that's going on for the rest of the episode here. Yeah. So then Archie is at the White Worm with Eric and Fangs and Kevin, and he's trying to convince them to join the fire brigade. He's looking for a few good men, which is the story of Kevin's life because he's gay. That's Did you know? Correct. That's correct. Yes, very good. Yes. Yes, Kevin's looking for a few good men always. And then Kevin says that the only thing he knows about firefighting is from watching Backdraft over and My over again. My favorite movie. It's just, uh, it's a very funny reference. I don't know if you know this, 
but Backdraft has three direct-to-DVD sequels that were made like 15 years after the original. Oh my gosh. And just the fact that there's all these Backdraft sequels floating around is like completely bananas and it's so funny. Oh, sorry. My daughter appears to be having some kind of meltdown. Oops. Do you want to go check on her? Well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe dad can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> if if it gets really bad they'll, they'll, they can come in here i guess yes. um uh, can you hear all of that noise no okay great no, I can't hear um okay so yeah the only real reference i have to backdraft is that it was um an attraction at disney's uh mgm studios for many many years yes it was that's right that's right um yes. Yes, because Backdraft was the most popular movie of all time. Um, yeah, but um, all of those young men say no, and I don't blame them. Kevin is teaching 50 classes at the high school, and you dare ask him to be a volunteer firefighter, Archie? Exactly. Like, okay, maybe some of us only have to teach ROTC for six people, but some people have like 27 classes to teach. Yeah, Archie isn't even the music teacher, which is no, bananas to me. It's dumb. So then we get into this whole mystery. What happened to Margaret Harper? Right. Was hanging out with like truckers. Uh, and, you know, the only, I don't love equating truckers with a, a seedy underworld, quote unquote, because mm. it's like, especially this year where truckers really uh, were, really saved the country, quite mm -hmm. frankly. Uh, you know, they were incredibly essential to making sure that the country was still running properly during the pandemic. So don't love that, this whole aspect of it. And I, I'm really hoping that whoever, you know, ends up being the big baddie doesn't end up being like a killer trucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And with, I, I'm afraid that it might be just because oh, yeah. like, we kind of, <laughs> 100%. Well, we find out that these girls' bodies have been pulverized as if hit by a wrecking ball. I think I may be getting ahead, but... Yes, I mean, so, yes, it feels like perhaps they were hit by a truck. Yeah. Pulverized, yeah, absolutely. The left side of their body, absolutely. Then uh, we get a very funny reference to Frozen, the movie Frozen. Yep. Where... And I love both uh, Cheryl and Veronica's outfits in this scene, by the way. Yes. I don't totally understand. I feel like there's a bit of a coldness between the two of them when I feel like they left on pretty good terms with each other. Uh, we left them seven years ago. Well, of course there's a coldness. Cheryl is, is Queen Elsa. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh. But, you but, you know, they uh, didn't, you know, they used to have that business together, their old pals. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, I mean, maybe Veronica resents, uh, resents Cheryl for becoming a, a hermit and wasting away her potential. Yes, very, very, very possible. But Veronica's bringing her back into the light by having her design river bucks. <laughs> river dollars. River, oh, sorry, river dollars, not river bucks. Mm. River dollars, yes. But they might as well be called river bucks because yes. it's really, really silly. So then, you know, Archie needs to still find his fire brigade. And that I'm going to call them the fire brigade. Oh, mm -hmm. That's I, fine. I like That's it. That's fair. Uh, so he enlisted a bunch of little boys. <laughs> it's so strange, Louis. Well, it's this so is strange. This show really plays fast and loose with like what different ages can do. 
because you know vol- the volunteer fire team if it, this had been a plot line like previous to the time jump you know and it had been like kevin and and reggie and archie we would have been like okay this is happening because the actors are so much older but now yeah. that they're re- casting more age appropriate kids as the riverdale kids it feels l- weird right i just have to say too like I would think that the last people who would want to get young people involved in a really dangerous situation would be vets who recently returned wounded from a war. Good call. Where so many people are very, very young. Uh, But I mean, it is ROTC, so theoretically these people are all going to go into the military anyway. But it just, it, it does feel very strange that, you know. Yeah, let's get your danger started off early. Like, yeah, not nice, you know. Yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> uh, and I still need to do some research into. I'm sure this is tr- a true thing. This town in Oregon that was using their own money. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally plausible. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, just, just, this was my favorite part of the episode, to be honest, was just like this whole plot line I thought was really interesting about the, yeah. the town centric, uh, money. Yeah. So then we've got a team Betty continuing to look in the swamp because yeah. you know, they think there's going to be more bodies. Yeah. And Alice looks crazy, obviously, because she's been digging around in the swamp, but her hair is still perfect. Like not a bit of mud in her hair. We stand, we stand a queen who's missing her daughter. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, no mud uh, on her hair, but all over the rest of her body. Uh, yeah. And then it, it, uh, Tony says that the serpents are gonna lend a hand because yeah. remember everybody, Tony is the queen of the serpents in case you forgot, cause Tony is doing everything in this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we get a super fun scene with Pops Tate. I know, yeah, Bethany, I don't think the mic picked up on it, was just trying to whistle the theme to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in fact, that symbol monkey part was a direct reference. Yes, the symbol monkey. Yes, that's a reference to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, so first of all, Pops shows up in a great bow tie, <laughs> and is given more to say than he has on the entire show. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then the actor they got to play young Pops, I thought he wasn't in it a lot, but his mannerisms were really good. Were Spot a on. lot like old Pops. Loved it. Loved it. And then we get this super fun, eerie, goofy alien scene, mm-hmm. which is yeah. eventually going to be explained as being something stupid because that's what Riverdale does. Like, it's not actually going to be aliens. It's going to be... Or or is it? We don't know. I don't think so. I just don't think they're going to go that route. I think if they're not going to go with the route of magic, they're not going to go with the route of aliens on the show. Maybe I think it was it's a, a really good truck. I think it was. I think it's a truck. I think it's related to the trucker plot line. I do. Yeah. I think it's something to do with a truck and some sort of maybe like white slavery ring and but i thought it was so kind of cute and sweet when pops was like but i really hope that it was aliens i liked that part too it was like whoa pops was like i want them to come back (laughs) i thought it was so cute and then yeah you know they think it's maybe was military testing and then we have this actor 
playing young Nana Rose. Okay, question about this. Because that actress looked like she was maybe, maybe 30. Yeah. And this was supposed to be 50 years ago. Yeah. Which means that at the start of Riverdale, as we know it, she was only like 70, but she's always been like 90. So like, how old is Nana Rose? And is Nana Rose like the same age as Pops? And what the hell is going on? These are all great questions that we're not going to be able to answer. <laughs> other than the maybe Nana Rose's life has really taken a toll on her. Just <laughs> maybe. because, you know, well, that, that, that family is so hard to be in. You know, even if Nana Rose herself was somewhat exempt from it. You know? But also black don't crack. So Pops could be 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pops is, yeah, maybe Pops is 90. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to be in your late 80s for sure. You know, like in your late 80s, in your early 90s, there's different, different people age quite differently. But Nana Rose hasn't aged a day in seven years. And yet That's she's right. maybe aged 80 years in 50 years. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was just going to say, I loved the look they gave Na the Nana Rose actor. And I'd like to see a spinoff set, set in the late 60s, show. early 70s. Yeah, yeah. With Nana Rose just being like real badass. <laughs> yeah. I'd watch that for sure. Okay. So then we get our first scene with Bernardo. And they already have t-shirts. <laughs> they already have t-shirts, which is thank you, Veronica. I'm sure who funded that. Bernardo, this scene, I think he gets better as the episode goes on. But this scene, I just feel like he's just yelling at them. And it's very one note, the performance. Yeah, I didn't care for it. Yeah. Uh, then then we get this uh, this montage of seeing the River Dollars printed and uh, distributed. And it's all to, you know, the classic rock and roll song money that's what i want great needle drop there super fun but the sound effects in this scene are beyond nuts i didn't notice that that's very interesting i think i was distracted by the song oh, fill oh, us in yeah, bethany yeah okay so we have the um the ropes that that archie is is beating against oh, yes. the ground going like doom, 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 doom. and then like even like i swear when veronica slices the paper cutter it's like shing <laughs> and it's just like absolutely over the top the entire montage and i thought it was so dumb uh, <laughs> but it but it, it gave me a chuckle i love but, it but and and i also wrote that veronica has another amazing outfit in this yes episode. yes veronica's outfits are very good in this episode then we get to uh cheerleading practice <laughs> and Cheryl has gone behind Tony's back to have a practice. And she's seen a porcelain doll possessed by her deceased brother move faster than those vixens. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I don't love having to see fights between Cheryl and Tony. Me neither. It just doesn't rub me the right way. No, especially because I really do think Tony, there is some, there is some, there's still pain between the two of them. Yes. And I think it comes out as anger and that's so unhealthy and sad. Yes. It doesn't feel respectful of the characters to me. 
And that's a shame because it's nice. They were a cool gay couple on a show. Yeah. And yeah. And again, it's like, well, I I don't understand quite why there's this resentment there. Um, And then, yeah. And then Cheryl tells, tells Tony, she's treading on thin ice. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a big statement coming from you who who fell through the ice. You think you'd eliminate that statement from your vocabulary. Yeah. She yeah. also says doused. Well, she's Cheryl Blossom. She says doused all the time. You know. I don't think that's a word. It's just, well thou thou doth. It's her trying to sound fancy. It's yeah. it's like it's like her like Miss Piggy, like what Miss Piggy. Yes, says. that's true. Uh so then we've got the search team at the swamp. Mm-hmm. They go back to Swedlow Swamp. And then uh, Hiram, this is just an amazing fake brand. Uh-huh. Hiram says that Betty found her FBI badge in a Jacker Crack box. Yeah, I know. That was which amazing. is great. That is great. And also, he's not wrong. Like, she's not a full-fledged FBI agent right no no i think she's i think she's full-fledged at this point yeah oh okay i thought she was still in training or something no i think she's 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 doing it i think she's doing it yeah that's what that's what i believe to be true so then you know we get this nana rose interview (laughs) where she talked to the mothership yeah and then it turns out that she has the corpse of the mothman and Jughead refers to an alien autopsy. Yes, yes. After doing an alien autopsy, which and is listening to alien autopsy, the band. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then she followed it up by listening to Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, but something I am going to say about all of this is Bethany. I am feeling Jughead's facial hair, and the, oh yeah, like Cole Sprouse couldn't be any more attractive to me. That facial hair, va va voom, the the facial hair with the little the little uh, diner boy outfit. Oh, what a <laughs> what a gentleman! Right there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so then we learn about how Veronica's going to build the economy slow and steady, right? By not printing too many more river dollars to build it slowly, which is just a great economics lesson to be teaching in the context of this show. I am learning so much from Veronica Lodge. I gotta say, yeah. well, they didn't. I didn't have an econ class in high school, so this neither is all, did I. I think it would. This is very good education for me. I agree, one hundred percent. And then, what a wonderful scene, where all the boys are sitting around. Oh, okay. oh, sorry. Just one more thing about that. Like Please. Hiram interrupts her class. Oh, that's when, yes, that's right. And I have to say, like, what is with horrible men interrupting poor Veronica's classes? Like, what must her students think? Her students think that she's the victim of a bunch of toxic masculinity, and mm-hmm. that is correct. That is correct. Yeah, you know. Ugh, um, it's just so upsetting. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard stuff. Absolutely. She so keeps, she keeps her cool in that in that scene. I, I appreciated that. Oh yes, she does a exemplary job. Yes, keeping it cool, absolutely. Yes. But then we move on to the core water ad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, more blatant than the Doritos ad. Yeah, all the boys are just sitting around drinking that core water. 
<laughs> core water, back. core water, core water. <laughs> uh, yeah. And but then they're interrupted by the sexy hobo. Yes, Earl. Were you into Earl? I thought Earl was very handsome. Yes, yes. Earl was a cute boy and he came in and delivered some great exposition about what's going on <laughs> in the town. Yeah. And uh, then we get a phone call with one of my secret crushes, Glenn. Good old Glenn. Little Mr. Beardo Blondie. <laughs> Love that guy. And uh, Glenn just decides to really kind of nonchalantly tell Betty that Trash Bag Killer's back. Yeah. And that he's claimed so two bad. new victims. Which sends Betty into a very understandable PSD sp PTSD spiral. Yeah. Oh my god! Like, it just feels like this is this is another thing. It's like not handled very well. It's like very nonchalant. Like, and now Betty's freaked out. It's like, yeah, uh, you, that's this is an upsetting thing that happened to Betty. Yeah. Yeah, she was in that hole and all that. Yeah, terrible. But then they go back to the swamp. Um... And then we, or, get or Betty a, goes back we get an interesting scene with Reggie because this is kind of the first moment of the season, I would say, where Reggie isn't just a baddie. Yeah. And I'm into this. I like Reggie playing both sides of the fence. I think it's and, cool. And, and it's on, it's on brand. Like that's very true to his character, right? I mean, it's like sometimes he's a little pisher and sometimes he's a, a mensch. That is absolutely correct. It's really what's in it for him. Yeah. And, but, and, and, and he's I not have all say, bad. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have to say his look, like this slick look on him is kind of growing on me. I still think his hair is really derpy, but like earlier when he had his like pea coat on, I was like, okay. I yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he looks like kind of a second rate uh, henchman or like a, you know, like a mafioso, which is kind of what they've turned him yeah, into. But kind in of the a show. studly mafioso. Yes, but yeah. definitely the hair I think is supposed to be a little like, ew, so that you don't <laughs> fall in love with current version of Reggie and maybe his hair will get better the more we like him through the season if he rebels <laughs> against Hiram. Like, yeah. yeah, but he found another body. <laughs> he did. He found another body uh, and that's that act break before mm -hmm. we get to the fire department who's angry mm -hmm. and then the pool hall's burning down archie to the rescue like a ding dong yeah as per usual what does archie do he does a silly thing <laughs> i mean this this is one of maybe the most reckless things we've seen him do I think. I mean, you know, I guess he thinks if he can survive a bear attack, bear, yeah, uh, boxing jail, and uh, <laughs> a war, uh, that he can totally survive like a burning building, you Oy. know. But he rescues all the other animals first before he rescues the snakes. <laughs> the snakes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Archie's big adventure. Yes. Um, so he rescues Earl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's wonderful. And everybody's response is just, oh, Archie, you rascal. Yep. Which is correct. <laughs> you, hey, you know, redhead's gonna redhead, you know? Uh, no, don't do that, kids. Yeah, exactly. Even um, if your hair is red, don't do that. Yeah. Oof. So, uh, so yeah. 
Then we have Hiram. We think that Hiram's counterfeiting the river dollars. Right. But it doesn't end up being Hiram. It ends up being one of the kids. Yeah, but Hiram just lets Veronica squirm, which makes a lot of sense. Yes. The power play that is the relationship between Hiram Lodge and Veronica. Yeah, but then we cut back to to uh, good old Dr. Curdle Jr. and Betty. Yeah. And it's they, Margaret because she had braces. Yes, because she had braces. And, you know, this is... Uh, the scene with the mother, I thought was, like, pretty well handled when it comes to, like, grief issues. Yeah. And I thought it was a nice kind of quiet moment in an otherwise pretty batshit crazy episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, so then Tony demands accountability from Cheryl, which is great. Uh, but Tony's being pretty kind of mean about it to Cheryl, which is just, once again, not how I want to see their relationship written. You thought Tony was being mean? Because I thought Tony was being very reasonable. I, I thought feel Cheryl that what was- Tony was asking for was reasonable, but she was just being a little snippy with it. Like she had a lot of tood, you know? Yeah, but then Cheryl accuses her of being cruel, which I feel, I mean, maybe she was like something Tony said, like really triggered something in her, but I didn't, I didn't find what Tony said to be cruel. I agree with that. Yes, I do agree with that. Yes. Again, I don't like all this. I don't like all this fighting. I want them to kiss the makeup. I agree. I agree. And then (laughs) speaking of accountability, Cheryl goes back to her little Thornhill on the mansion. And there's Ms. Marble, who we never thought we'd see or hear from again. Yeah. Oh, the, and the, did I did I mention this actress was also from Sabrina? Oh, she was did she play the same character? No, she was one of the the weird sisters. She played oh. Agatha. She was Agatha. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. And I love her outfit too, that kind of yellow houndstooth number she's got on. Yeah, she looks good. Yeah. And Cheryl's in trouble because of the forgery. Because Operation Goldfinch did not work. Yeah. I mean, I thought that they were going to draw that out a little longer, but it's they're moving ahead with it, which I'm totally fine with. It's a stupid plot line. Like, get rid of it. Go go away. Bye. We got to focus on trucker serial killer aliens. So. And we also have to focus on Archie in the hospital where (laughs) they start bitching about Hiram Lodge starting the fire, which is probably Mm -hmm. totally true. And then Jackson gets very leftist, Mm -hmm. which I am into. Another fat cat lining his pockets by gaming the system. That's right. And Jackson is clearly understands economic oppression. And uh, I'm into this. And then we learn in the next scene that Hiram, that Sodale is a smokescreen, which is new information. So let's just note it there. What do you think Sodale is a smokescreen for, Bethany? I was trying to think. I don't know. What else could Hiram want besides owning a freaking town? Is it... Louis, do you have an idea? I really don't know. Uh, expanding the prison. Um, I yeah, but tearing down all of Riverdale because there's oil under Riverdale. 
<laughs> you know, uh, AKA the uh, Muppets 2011 move. Yes, Tex Richmond. Tex Richmond. Oof. Yeah, I don't. Guy. Yeah, I don't know. Or or he's just so sick. Uh, he's a self-hating tune in disguise, and he's so sick of seeing the tunes succeed that he has to buy up the red car uh, line mm -hmm. and um, turn the city of Los Angeles into, uh, you know, nothing but freeways. <laughs> the plot of the classic Ralph Bakshi film, Cool World. No, I'm being sure. <laughs> the plot of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and also the plot of Chinatown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, both well, yeah. awesome Gosh. movies. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this took some kind of Chinatown turn. Like, yeah, I mean, you said oil and that sounds crazy, but maybe it is some sort of, there's some kind of resource that Riverdale is rich with and that's what Hiram wants control of. Yeah, I think that is actually a very reasonable yes. thought. Yes, beyond the maple, which is Riverdale's big export, the maple, the maple syrup and the trees, you know. There's gold in them are maple trees, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right. Yes. So then we get that barrel and <laughs> inside the barrel is a scary alien. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. Or just like a small corpse with macrocephaly. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, totally. It could be a deformed corpse for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, also and, a weirdly, a weirdly decaying corpse because it was stuffed in maple. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, it shouldn't be like if oh also if this corpse is 50 years old and it's been in sugar for 50 years, yeah, it would have totally disintegrated by now. Yes, it would have sure. been gone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but right before that, uh uh they Tony, Betty, and Alice do their due diligence and let Margaret's mom know that they found the body. That's so that right. Was a, that was a very sad and but important scene to tie that up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I liked how that was handled. And I thought that the mom did a great job. That was a good performance. Yeah. 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 But then maple syrup, desiccated corpse strangeness. And then that's the act break. Yes. And uh, then we learn that the boys printed up River Dollars. It was those boys. Oh, well, before... Yeah, yeah, before that, Jughead and Tabitha, they, they inspect the body and they, they have found, Jughead has found an expert who can examine the body. That's um, right. But she, Dr. Diane Whitley, is an expert in ancient cultures, urban legends, and extraterrestrial phenomena, which feel like three very unrelated fields to me. <laughs> but may, maybe they're not, but that just feels like a lot of areas to be an expert in. How X-Files do you think this show's going to get now in the next few episodes? I mean, it already kind of is pretty X-Files-y. Yes. I think. I, I'm wondering, though, if we're, like, gearing up for, like, uh, sort of, like, either a Tabitha Jughead, like, investigation team where they're, like, paired up together with the which alien stuff. Which I would stuff. really like. Yeah, which would be really fun. Or a Jughead Betty as well, you know, depending on sort of how the plot line goes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe like Jughead's off with Tabitha doing one thing and off with Betty doing another thing. And then it's like, I don't know which 
girl I like more. Yes, another love triangle, what we need for the show. <laughs> Very much so. I, I agree. I can't wait for the love triangle to commence. <laughs> yes. Anyway. But then we're in econ class, like you said. And That's so right. I'm sorry. Ahead. The students were caught red-handed. Literally. Literally. Which means they have to work it off, which is very generous of Veronica. Yeah. Uh, and totally makes sense because they were flooding the market, which is not a good idea to do that. Right. Got to listen to listen to Ms. Luna or Ms. Lodge, whatever her last name is this week. It's Ms. Know. Lodge, although she should be going by Ms. Luna and whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so now we have a whole bunch of talk about mistreatment of vets, which I hope that if they continue on this, this storyline that they do in a responsible way, <laughs> which I, you know, from your lips to RAS's ears. Yes. I know. It's, it's hard because like, I feel like they start to talk about some really important stuff. Always on this show. Always. Um, but yeah, we got some. PTSD, I think, going on. And, and Archie, then, we find out Archie's dealing with some some serious trauma that he's apparently not talking to anybody about. Yes, Archie is dealing with trauma. Jackson is, which isn't a surprise. Uh, Jackson is wants to go kill Hiram. Right. Uh, I think Hiram's going to end up killing Jackson, quite frankly. Oh, I, I think that's what's going to end up happening with Jackson. Oh, that'd be terrible. Yes, it would. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, the two of them have this very touching scene mm -hmm. that is about shared trauma. Yeah. And it's it's a good scene in a pretty bad episode. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. <Yes. laughs> and then, uh, so Jackson's going to be the, the head of the fire brigade. Yes. <laughs> He's going to be the, the fire brigade head boy. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the fire brigade best boy. <laughs> the pre-effect of the fire brigade. Um, and then Jughead has his close encounter. That's right. Uh, and did you see that Pops has his own bobblehead? Yup, I sure did. And I want one very much. Dear Hot Topic, please sell that. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, Jughead has his own close encounter. We see very clearly that he was having a little bit of booze before he had it. Mm -hmm. You know, he was drinking a little bit like father, like son. Which I, I find that whole thing very sad. I agree. I hope they deal with it in a sad way eventually where Jughead, you know, has to get clean or something. Yeah. To that effect. Or at least get, get help. Maybe bring back Gina Torres. Yes, I, I agree with all of that, 100%. Uh, so yeah, so then uh, we learn that Jughead has lost uh, time. Mm -hmm. um, he lost a few hours. And that's a recurring theme in X-Files. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The last time. And then we learn that the xenomorph has been stolen. <laughs> It's so not a xenomorph. It but is it's a, a xenomorph. But it's a, it is a good reference, though. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. So the xenomorph has been stolen. Jughead, oh my gosh, what is happening? Maybe it's a real alien abduction on the show. Maybe it's Cosmo the Merry Martian who's, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> then 
luckily, because they only wanted to hire him for one season or for one episode, uh, Bernardo is out and Chief Bye. Russell is in. Yeah. <laughs> Thrilled to see you. Uh, and then Veronica buys the boys a fire truck from 1947. Anything for you, Archie, because they are going to have a thing again, obviously, the two obviously. of them. Obviously. And they're going to make up for it. They're going to raise the money by having a firefighter's Riverdale calendar, which, uh, okay. So I hope they're not going to make the little boys, you know, have sexy calendar photos. Um, well, I don't think they are because isn't it when, when, uh, Kevin and Fangs show up and say, well, I guess we'll be in your fire department anyway. And we don't feel good about you letting the students do this. That's right. That's Uh, right. Yes. The voice of reason, always Kevin and Fangs, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, they come in, Kevin and Fangs should be running everything. They're like the only normal characters on the show anymore. Yeah at this point <laughs> more or less yeah when they let fangs talk fangs, like, that's never yes when they weird when fangs turns to his partner kevin and says husband may i speak and kevin <laughs> says you may <laughs> yeah i know which seems to happen on this show yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, and then we learn that there's a lot of women missing mm-hmm. and it's probably the work of a serial killer yeah because there's 21 missing girls. Yeah, that's very scary. It's very creepy. It's heightened. It's elevated. And I wonder if this season's going to get into some sort of human trafficking plot. Yeah. 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 Which Riverdale better deal with seriously because that's a scary thing. It is very scary. Agreed. And Ugh. that's the episode, folks. Oh, man. Woof. No, but Bethany... You did such a good job. Did uh, I? Of course. We're, uh, in fact, we're going to give you a prize. What? And that prize is you get to continue to listen to episodes of XOXO Riverdale. <gasps> That's what I always wanted. Thank you. <laughs> so who's on your power list this week? Um, My power. Okay. So the top of my power list is actually Reggie because sure. he, he could have kept that information about the extra body to himself but he didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also playing both sides, like you said. Mm -hmm. Then I have Nana Rose. Sure. (laughs) And then I have Veronica. Great. That's interesting. Our list is a little different. (laughs) Uh, My number one is Veronica. So Uh that's the same, you know, similar. And then I have uh, Bernardo because he trained everybody. He just came in and just took charge. And then I have Jackson, who actually does drive a lot of this pl- plot forward this episode. Uh, so we'll see how much of a player he is moving into the show now that he's going to be on it a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it makes sense that we have divergent powerless because there are seven different plots. This is true. This As per usual on the show, there's a little too much going on. No. Who do you have on your crush list? Top of my crush list is Veronica because her outfits are all so good. Yes. I want them all. Yeah, and you I have... look good in all of those. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, And then I have Reggie because I'm digging his slick mafioso look. Yeah, he's doing and it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then third, I have Earl the Sexy Hobo. Yeah, you love Earl. You I love, love Earl. Earl. And I'm never going to see him again because I... he's I know you're gonna have to 
figure out who that actor is and see his other projects (laughs) because they killed him off real quick yeah Uh, he's probably some vancouver stage actor (laughs) that's probably who he is not and that's nothing against vancouver stage actors it's just that's who they're hiring a lot of for the for like those like three line walk-on parts for the show (laughs) yeah all right so we've got on my crush list number one looking beautiful glowing positively glowing tony topaz loving the way she's looking then number two my man jughead jones (laughs) mainly because of the clothes and the Mm -hmm. facial hair and then number three tom keller (laughs) (laughs) that's fair just just love him yeah so handsome i i know you love you love your your zaddy i do i do (laughs) so you know what i didn't because kate normally does this angeli edit this part out I just want to look up what the next episode Oh, I, I looked it up. Oh, my God. Of course you did. Yeah, of course. Bethany, what's the next episode? The next episode is called Lock and Key, um, which could be a reference to the recent Netflix series, though I very much doubt it because it's spelled differently. Okay. But the Netflix series is this kind of supernatural fantasy series, which is very cool and very yeah, fun. written by but- Stephen King's son. That's right. That's a Joe mm-hmm. Hill. Um, yeah, it's a Joe Hill uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think this has anything to do with it because I watched the preview and there is a key party. Mm-hmm. And for the younger listeners who might not know what a key party is, it's where a bunch of people go, a bunch of adults go, and they put keys in a bowl and you draw keys out of the bowl and whoever keys you draw that's who you go home and sleep with yeah and i'm thrilled that the tween uh watchers of riverdale are going to to learn about the practice of a key party i think it's important that riverdale the show that is based on the 80 year old archie comics property (laughs) teaches tweens what a swingers key party is yeah and it's hosted by cheryl at thornhill and in the uh preview we do see um kevin and reggie having a smooch finally reggie lets his bisexual icon reggie bicon reggie (laughs) oh boy anyway Um, bethany it's been such a pleasure having you on (laughs) (laughs) yeah this was so fun thank you for having me if people who listen to the podcast uh want to find some of your projects and stuff i know that you're narrating an audiobook can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so i just found out yesterday actually that i am going to be narrating an audiobook um called action figures uh it's uh the first in a series and um, written by my good friend, Michael Bailey, and it will be available. Hopefully we're hoping second quarter of this year of 2021. That's so exciting. And also Bethany is like an incredible entertainment world development person. So if you need notes for a script, uh, you know, anything like that, uh, get in touch with Bethany because really she has been working in the industry for years and is is a real hot shot. <laughs> oh, well, that's very generous of you to say, Louie. Thank so, you very much. So hire Bethany, please. All right. Well, <laughs> as always, thank you to our editor, Angelie Mercado, and our 
uh, theme songwriter, Louis Aronowitz. As we said before, you can follow us on social media. We'll be back next week with Kate with another episode of we'll talk about this whole key party situation. <laughs> For XOXO Riverdale, I'm Louis Perlman. I am not Kate Vatter. I'm <laughs> Bethany Bowles. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>